welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome back to Coach Soul. I'm Steve, and today with me is Christine. Last week, we talked about Christine's toxic hell that she walked through with her alcoholic husband and the traumatic experiences that she experienced and even her kids by staying in a closet that just wasn't enough. It seems like a horror story that somebody's coming after you, you would go and hide in a closet. The story is a traumatic. But at the same time, today's show, I want to talk to Christine about the twist, the redemption, the change in her life that impacted her to have a self-esteem. This story is to help people understand that you're not stuck in the situation that you're given, that you have an opportunity to get out of it. Christine, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Steve. I, I want to pick back up where we left off. You made some ultimatums, and it just seems like that's a deja vu story because I hear a lot of that with my patients. They come to counseling expecting that, okay, this is the latch ditch effort. And men who are listening to this podcast, when a woman wants to go to counseling, she's got one foot out the door. Christine, would you agree with that? Absolutely. So let's start there. You made these ultimatums with your husband. He does good. What happens? He does good for a little while. It, it becomes a pattern. He does good for a while. Things are good. He starts falling back into old patterns. I make more ultimatums. It's this vicious, constant cycle that just continues to go on and on and on until I got healthy enough and had the support that I needed to actually get out. And the fact that it was truly affecting my kids in ways not just emotionally affecting them, their behavior. My son has ADHD. He has oppositional defiant disorder. He started hanging out with the wrong kind of kids, got into a bunch of legal trouble. His dad bailed him out, did not take any responsibility. My ex-husband didn't take any responsibility for my son's behavior contributing, being contributed to him by his behavior, wanted to blame the other kids instead of making my son be responsible for his choices. This led into drugs. This led into dropping out of school, low self-esteem. My son is an adult. He has gone through a lot of therapy. He's gone through a lot of things and he still to this day holds on to, I'm not good enough. And I am a piece of crap because that's what his father told him all the time. You just mentioned ex-husband. At what point did it take for you to say I had enough? I always told myself the day he laid his hands on my children, that was it. Hmm. And he got extremely drunk and things took place. He basically was choking my son, slamming his head against the couch and telling him he was a worthless piece of things that I won't repeat. In addition to he will never amount to anything. 
and I filed divorce three days later. How did you come up with the courage to, to do that? I actually, my best friend happened to be there. It was so interesting because all the things for her to have been visiting from Colorado at that time, she just having somebody else see how toxic things were. Obviously that scenario was extremely obvious. But just to have somebody else's perspective, I think, gave me the validation at that time that I was not crazy. Like, this was not all in my head. This was his behavior, him affecting our children, and I had to get out. Unfortunately, I did file for divorce. I did leave but I ended up going back because he got sober for a year and I thought things were going to be better. Really naive and really dumb. So I had to go through the whole thing all over again. And there was just many, many nights where things were just, everybody was walking on eggshells. And he would just blow up random times. And my own children finally said to me, mom, we don't want to live here anymore. We want to go back to the house when it was just us. And that was when I really divorced him. That's when I left and I didn't go back and filed for divorce and fell through, you know, followed through with it. I remember my daughter saying to me one morning, Mom, why are you in such a bad mood? And I said to her, I said, what time is it? She said, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I said, yes, tell me what you see outside that window. She said, well, dad's mowing the grass. Yes. Well, what is in dad's hand? A beer. I said, so it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I said, what time do we eat dinner? Six. How many beers do you think he's going to have between now and six? And what do you think dinner is going to look like? And, and she tells me now, she said, that was her aha moment. She was like, oh, I get it. Because she could see that I could predict what was going to happen. Of course, she was still a child. She didn't see that. And I was emotionally exhausted. I just didn't have it in me anymore. I knew that I needed to get out. And at this time, my family knew things were bad. Things my children had said to them, things that I confessed. And so my mother helped me financially. You know, you can no longer hide any of those anymore. No. And... I, I want to go back a little bit. Help resolve this mystery and maybe help women understand what's the hook to get you back and to relive this experience again when you already knew it would happen again. What, what's the hook? They know how to manipulate you. 
They know how to talk a good talk. And I think, I think I still, as dumb as this sounds, I think I probably still had this idea that I could still make this family work. Like if he really wants to get help and he's going to be sober, then it's going to be okay. In hindsight, I should have listened to my family's suggestions at the time and not allowed him to convince me that it was safe to come back. And if I would have stayed gone while he got sober and insisted that he get therapy and that he truly heal from the things that caused him to drink, then maybe it would have worked, but I would have been safe. And I wouldn't have had to go back and leave again because I would have been able to see that he really was doing this just to get me back. He wasn't doing this for himself. He wasn't doing this to get better. He needed me. And he was going to tell me whatever I needed to get me back. That's a good point. Because I want to bring out that you share that he's a good person. And when I hear that he manipulates, that is not an intentional manipulation. It's the hurt, the trauma that he experienced that never got help. It was the alcohol, the behaviors, the choices, survival mode for him. And the best way he knew how is the reason why he manipulated. Correct. But that's not an excuse for you to stay in that type of relationship. Absolutely not. I didn't know these terms, codependent and narcissistic, until after I left. And I had a patient of mine and my brother tell me that I had to read this book called Codependent No More. And I said, what is that? And my brother said to me, he said, Christine, you are so codependent. And I was like, no, I'm not. Because I really honestly didn't even know what it was. I lived in this bubble. I'm telling you, Steve, I lived in this total bubble. And I remember reading this book and I was like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. It's his narcissistic behavior and his alcoholism and his, all these things for fear to be left alone. They make you try to feel like you're crazy. In my therapeutic stance, from my point of view, people who are narcissistic are people who overcompensate the hurt. Correct. And it comes out and magnifies that I'm tough. I'm strong. You can't hurt me. It's your fault, not mine. And it's a way of an escape for them. And I know for my listeners, there's differences of narcissistic type people. And sometimes people can be downright selfish that it comes across as narcissistic. So there are some differences. So here you are reading this book, Codependent No More. And how did you begin the pathway of, of your journey of healing? I got into counseling. And kind of another interesting aha moment for me was 
the therapist asked me to identify how I felt. And I said, well, elaborate. And he said, well, what do you feel? Like, are you happy? Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you, you know? And I sat there and I had no idea how to feel anything other than anger. Like I literally had built such a huge wall and had become such a shell of a person. I had no idea how to feel. And that was extremely scary. So I continued with therapy. I also was introduced to a program in Dallas called Pathways. It's a five-month program. And I did a lot of healing. And I was able to identify things from my childhood that led to low self-esteem. I was able to identify with why I made so many excuses. But the most important thing was I found my voice. I learned how to set healthy boundaries. I learned how to stand up for myself and to see my self-worth. And that gave me the strength to truly start my healing journey. It also gave me the strength to set boundaries that I needed to set with my children because they were completely out of control at this time. That could be a whole nother show. So I, I just continued working on myself and finding out who I was after all of this, who God intended for me to be stripped out all the things that were told to me. I wasn't good enough. I was ugly. I was this, I was that. And just, started really truly working on those tapes that were in my head. Went through counseling, but you were still dealing with the impact of his behavior, the alcohol. You had to do some EMDR. I did. And in that experience with EMDR, what did you experience? How did that help you to heal from that moment? I had discovered that I really had some PTSD around a whole lot of different issues throughout the marriage and things would set me off. Some of the craziest things would set me off and I had no idea why I could not figure out why I literally would become this like lunatic in traffic. Well, it was so funny because one of my EMDR sessions identified the fact that it was because I felt trapped for almost 20 years. And when I get stuck in this traffic, it makes me go back and feel like I am trapped. And I literally just go into freak out mode. I honestly don't know that anybody could have pulled that out of me without doing the EMDR. So I am able to identify now things that trigger me that I don't think I could have been aware of. And I'm able to process through those because I was able to desensitize a lot of things. That's what EMDR does. It desensitizes those memories that you went from a maladaptive thought, I have no control, to adaptive way of thinking I have choices. And in that moment, how, how are you feeling? What's going on with you? You seem very confident, 
more self-esteem for yourself, what has helped you the most? Honestly, I'm not sure I could pinpoint one specific thing because I truly believe that for me, I took a piece of all three things that I did. But another piece that I haven't discussed yet was my relationship with God. And once I found my healing, I changed my relationship with him. And I feel like he allowed people to come into my life to be healthy, to have healthy friendships and relationships. And when I, when I believe that I was the closest to God in my relationship and I was the healthiest, that's when he brought me my husband that I have now because I was yeah. able to heal fascinated and i know there are other people struggling and when you go through this horrific experience many people leave god become angry deny that he ever exists now because of the tragedy they have been impacted through or you have hateful christians well if you just pray harder well, you just don't have enough faith. God's not hearing you. When you have these negative messages coming to you, how, how did you get to that relationship with God with all this negativity? I was fortunate enough to have people that were healthy in my Christian walk. So I had people that supported me. Yes, I had the negativity also. But I think I was just so emotionally exhausted that I didn't have energy for them any longer. I just didn't have energy for those people. And I knew that in order for me to fully recover, I had to have both God and emotional healing. For me personally, I needed that. Think about how people interact and intersect in our lives that sometimes if we allow it, it skews our vision of God. It skews our faith to where we don't want to go closer to God because, oh my gosh, I go to church and you're going to judge me. Did you ever have those type of thoughts? I did. I did. I went to a church for the majority of my marriage in a small town. And I left that church for multiple reasons, but that was one of them. And I actually started going to a non-denominational church where I feel God placed me because I needed to hear a different message. And I needed to know that God wasn't going to abandon me because I left this marriage. An interesting thing that the pastor there used to say, because so many people question why, why, why all these different things through life. Why did God allow this? It isn't God. God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. They don't ever swap jobs. And that's something that I've had to tell myself over the years. 
that it wasn't God abandoning me. It wasn't God that set me up for this, this, this really, you know, crazy marriage and a whole lot of pain that it was Satan. And it was him telling me that I wasn't good enough. And it was all those things that Satan allowed to fill my head that led me into that path. Really this toxic marriage. You find someone and you're in this new marriage. How did this journey help you to find this good marriage that you are in right now? Healthy people attract healthy. Correct. So when I was not healthy, all I did was attract unhealthy people. I mean, there was many years between my divorce and my marriage now where I would date different people and nothing serious because I continued to attract negative people. I wasn't healthy enough yet. And through friends and support, I was fortunate enough to not fall back into that pattern because there were a few people that I dated that were just probably as unhealthy as my ex-husband, just in a different way because I wasn't healthy enough yet. So one thing I truly stress to women getting out of a toxic relationship is take time to truly heal and to truly find your worth because until you do, you will repeat the pattern. Invest in yourself. For the last two minutes or so that we have, Christine, when you think about healthy attracts healthy, unhealthy attracts unhealthy, how do you know if you're unhealthy? Because everything seems normal. That's very true. If I had not gone through therapy, if I had not done pathways, I wouldn't have been able to identify what the unhealthy patterns were. I needed that. And I believe everybody needs that to be able to see that because you're blind. You don't know what you're exactly what you said. You don't know that you're unhealthy because that's your normal. It's having somebody to be able to point out unhealthy behaviors that you're doing is how, you know, some people have had, bad experiences with therapists to help our listeners to understand that if you're going through these things, therapy is okay. But what makes a good therapist, Christine? I had some bad therapists <laughs> and then I had a good one. I believe a good therapist truly comes from a place of authenticity and And, you know, knowledge, they are able to pull out those traits in you with not without just saying, tell me your story. Okay, well, what do you think you need to do? Well, I know therapists can't specifically give you advice, but they have to go deeper than that. They have to be willing to try different tactics and try different avenues, not just, it's kind of one of those things where I, I left a therapy appointment one time and I thought, you know what, like if I had the answer, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Like, I need you to help me find the answer, not just say, well, how do you feel about that? So the person, you have to connect with the person and you, and they have to, I don't know, be able to draw those patterns out and be able to show those to you. You know, in school, we're taught not to do any kind of revelation of what we've been through so that it doesn't impact or cause counter-transference, so to speak. But what I've learned in my own practice 
is it's okay to reveal as long as it's relevant to the story. And a lot of times when I share my story of the impact of things that I've been through, I can help identify with what that client or my patient's going through. It makes you real to them. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that. I mean that in a sense that it helps them identify with you. It helps that connection. It helps that trust. And I think that you're able to be more successful with that client because of that. Christine, I really appreciate this time with you. It is a phenomenal story of this pit of hell, toxic relationship you've been in. And now you're in like in a fairy tale type, happily ever after type marriage. I am. Congratulations to you of your journey. Thank you for having the courage to share what you did. And uh, I look forward to talking to you some more. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at Coach Soul. We hope to see you next week. So be kind and be safe.